16th episode of the Los Chingones Baseball Club Podcast presented to you by MLB Trash Talkers and Stadium Beer Bros. We apologize. We haven't been on quite as often as we hope we could. Uh, we try to keep it to a weekly thing, but we're going to go ahead and make it worth it. Now that baseball is right around the corner, it is Thursday, July 16th, 2020, approximately 8.41 p.m. And you know what, you guys? Guess what? This is the last Thursday without baseball. The next time that we jump on a podcast will either be maybe one or two days away or baseball season will already have started. So happy to have everybody on tonight. Thank you for tuning in. And let's go ahead and introduce the starting lineup for tonight. Let's see who's on. Hey, Sue, are you on? I am on, Ricky. Thank you for having me back on. Uh, I am working on a Black Plague Brewing Bring Out Your Dead IPA. I got a 32 ounce, so it's kind of like a mini growler. Delicious, great brewery. Uh, Ralphie, you'll love it. It's horror-themed, so once they open back up, let's hit it up. Thank you so much, Jesus. Quick question, Black Plague. Now, that brewery, they're based out of Vista. I could be wrong, but is that correct? It's in the border of Vista, technically Oceanside, but it's right on the border. Like, if you throw a rock, you'll be in Vista. Gotcha. Okay, because I have been to that brewery. I went. To, yeah. I don't know if it was like their their main location or if it was their tasting room. Yeah, it's their main location. And fun fact: Tony Hawk is a investor in that, so they also have a Tony Hawk beer. Let's see who else is on tonight. Izzy, you there? I am, guys. Uh, happy to see you guys. Happy that baseball is finally back. Less than a week at this point. When you guys listen to it, real baseball, not just speculation. Happy for that. And uh, tonight, I'm actually drinking a Boomtown Brewery Chavez Ravine. Hazy IPA is actually Dodger Stadium on the label in itself. It's pretty awesome. Six percent or so, six point five. So it's not that strong. It's actually a good taste. That was the first thing I noticed was the Chavez Ravine and then the outline of the stadium. That's pretty cool. Check it out. You can find it's pretty good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ralph. Are you on? Hey guys. Hope everybody's having a good week. I'm excited that baseball is going to be on in a couple of days. I think we've all been waiting for that, and I love how Ricky pointed out this is probably like our last podcast before the season actually starts. So I'm excited to give everybody actual like breakdowns, you know, scores and just everything that happens throughout the MLB. I'm drinking a Stone IPA, nicest beer around because it's a 6.9%. Goes down smooth. One of my favorite beers and can't wait to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the baseball world. And yeah, let's get to it. Thank you, Ralphie. Pleasure as always. And as we know, Stone, all reliable. Let's see who's next. Andrew, you there? Yeah, man, I'm here ready to get talking about some baseball again here tonight man uh like you guys said we're a week away from opening night i think it's opening night next thursday right and opening day next friday that is correct oh man i could not be more excited for that uh myself been working on a harlan brewing waimea hazy ipa which was recommended to us by miss julie alexandria when we had her on a couple weeks ago a couple months ago now wow (laughs) <laughs> but yeah um it's been a long time coming getting my hands on some harlan beer but man that beer looks beautiful in a glass not a normal hazy definitely looks more of like a juicy hazy when you pour it you know just very murky very yellow but man it, it looks amazing and it tastes amazing so great recommendation by julie i'll have to get some more of that soon thank you so much andrew that was a beer uh, that one of our very first special guests i had recommended and it looks like it's becoming a hit so uh, thank you, Julie, if you're listening, making that recommendation. Thank you again, Andrew, for joining us tonight. I know that you're always on with us. And last but not least, we got here, Jimmy, you on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, it's great to be back. I'm just going to share this with you guys. I recovered from COVID. It did hit me. It's not a joke, people. 
I'll tell you that much. So please wear your mask. Continue to do that. But I'm glad to be back, guys. I'm feeling better. Still have a slight cough going on, but I'm glad to be joining you guys and being able to talk some baseball with you guys. And finally enjoying a beer after two and a half weeks. I am drinking Barrio Lager by Thorn Brewery, and it's in San Diego. It's a whopping 4.5%. Well, after two weeks, though, sometimes you lose a little bit of that tolerance. So you got to work your way back up, right? That's right. That's right, man. (laughs) We'll get there. Thank you, Jimmy. And you know what? We all kept track of your experience with COVID-19. We know that it was not pleasant. We all knew for a fact that this was real, but you know, it really hit home for all of us. And we were all very concerned for you, but we're glad to see that you're healthy and safe. That's all that matters at the end of the day is, is your health and safety. Yeah, man. You and your wife are fucking troopers, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. we're so happy you're feeling better, Jimmy. We love yeah. you, brother. Love you too, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jimmy. So we all, we all love you. And, you know, anything else you ever need from us, just we got you. So that is our starting lineup for tonight. Going back to what I said earlier, we are seven days away from baseball opening night. We're going to have the following matchups for the 4 p.m. Pacific matchup. We're going to have the uh, Nationals hosting the Yankees. And then for the night matchup, we're going to be having the Dodgers hosting the Giants, which I know I can see Ralphie over there kind of uh, doing his dance. Uh, I mean, I know we're all pumped. We're all pumped for some baseball. Before we get into that, today's going to be kind of a day just to catch up, go over, hey, what have we missed in the past week and a half or so? Our last interview with Alex Bentley was pretty awesome. It was great to have him on. This week, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. A lot of players have opted out. Some big names. We've seen some free agent signings. We've even seen a couple of trades from the Padres of all teams. That shouldn't surprise most of us. But uh, we did see the signing of a pretty notable player that most of us are familiar with. So let's just dive right into it. Who wants to open up the floor? I'll start out, guys. I'll give you the updated opt-out list here. So obviously, I think in the last podcast, we already had Mike Leake, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, and Ian Desmond, and Tyson Ross, of course. In the last week, we've added Wellington Castillo from the Nationals, David Price from the Dodgers, Felix Hernandez and Nick Marcakis from the Braves, Hector Noesi from the Pirates, Buster Posey, of course, from the Giants, Michael Kopech coming back off of Tommy John surgery with the White Sox, and Jordan Hicks also coming off Tommy John surgery with the Cardinals, along with 11 MLB umpires as well that have opted out. Out of those guys, obviously, I know the Dodger fans be a little inclined to say David Price, but I'll say myself, Felix Hernandez, I'm pretty bummed that I'm not going to be able to see him pitch for the first time in another uniform outside of Seattle. You know, he's had a tough couple years, of course. It's very well documented, and a lot of people think he might just be out of gas. And that guy has a lot of miles on his arm. But I don't know about you guys. I was pretty excited to see what he could put together this year on a competitive Braves team because that team is pretty stacked all the way through. Definitely a better offense than he had behind him in Seattle. So with some run support, the guy could still maybe be a solid number five for that team. So I'm pretty bummed that we're getting robbed of that one, and who knows if we're going to see him in 2021. You know, I'm going to be completely honest. I fully support Felix in his decision to opt out of the season. From a fan perspective, I'm bummed that we don't get to see him playing for a competitive team. He was a highlight in a franchise that hasn't seen much or any success since their inception. We've seen what he's able to do despite not having the talent around him to win and go deep into the playoffs. He's made his money. He's got some of his accolades, all-star, no-hitter, perfect game. I don't think, other than going deep into a playoff run, I don't think he has much other to prove. For me, the interesting ones, for me as a Dodger fan, that Alex Verdugo trade just kept getting worse and worse, especially when I heard David Price wasn't going to pitch for the Dodgers. 
I'm not upset about that. I think the Dodgers have enough in the system where they could easily replace David Price. The names that stuck out to me really outside of Price, but I'm going to put them in the same category, are like Ian Desmond, Buster Posey, Nick Markakis. I kind of felt like there was a little trend there only because like, you know, these guys have very beneficial contracts for them. So my, my point is they've made a lot of money. And um, when I think about those certain types of players, like Posey's got nothing to prove. He's got three World Series. He's got paid a shit ton of money. For guys like that, it was probably not worth the risk, you know, of going yeah. out there and maybe getting the, the virus and all that. Um, not, I'm not talking down on them by any means. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And clearly those guys have made their decisions. But when you think about it too, look at those names I just named. They don't really hurt any of those teams by not playing. Marcakis maybe, just because, you know, the Braves, I think he adds a lot to them, especially being in the outfield. But Buster Posey, Desmond, Price, the Giants ain't suffering by not having Buster Posey out there. You know, the, the Dodgers aren't. And Desmond, I'm sorry. I don't think the Colorado Rockies aren't that upset that they don't have to pay that guy that much money this year. And they can kind of slide in maybe like a new potential prospect or whatever, whoever they want to throw in. I don't really even know who they've gotten to replace him. Could it be Matt Kemp? Maybe, I don't know. Could they play him at first? I, I don't know if that's even been like talked about or he's still auditioning for like an outfield job. Obviously the DH opens up a position for him, but if he can play first, I mean, they really filled that hole, I guess, with him leaving. My point is that I, I think some of those guys that have opted out probably made the right choice. They don't hurt their team. They don't hurt themselves. And some of those teams kind of benefit from not having to pay those high annual contracts for those three guys I just named. Yeah, and us as fans, I mean, we can't even, like, knock on them often now. Like, obviously, family comes first, and got to keep your family safe. Just like with Buzzer Posey, us Dodger fans love to hate him. Uh, and, I mean, he's a hell of a player, but like we've mentioned before, uh, and you've seen on the internet and online, he, him and his wife just adopted uh, two baby girls uh, that were coming out of the NICU. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to put my family at risk. And like Ralphie said, he's got nothing to prove. Three World Series rings, been in a couple of no-hitters. He's played uh, in an incredible team. So, yeah, I mean, us as fans, it sucks that we won't be able to see them, but can't hate on them. Yeah, I think the interesting one out of everybody opting out, like I said, you, you see some of those names, and it just doesn't really affect the team. I think the one that, for me, that sticks out is Mike Leak. You know, he was projected to be in the starting rotation for the Diamondbacks. So, I think... That's the team that really went like, whoa, crap. Now we need to find somebody in a summer camp or, you know, somebody maybe bring in a guy, maybe bring in a free agent. I know that hasn't happened yet since he's opted out. But, uh, you know, I think he's the only one that really affected the team because they were he was projected to be in the starting five. Outside of that, I think every dude made the right choice and, you know, it doesn't really affect their team. But that one to me was the interesting one because now the Diamondbacks, I don't want to say there's panic to find like another starter to fill their rotation. But I think that was interesting just because, you know, he was slated to be one of the starting five. And then on the other hand, there's some of these guys where you think the team really might not mind that they're taking the time off. And I'm looking at Jordan Hicks and Michael Kopech. Of course, Jordan Hicks has already been an established member of their bullpen. Dude's a fireballer, throws absolute heat, touches 105. We'll see how he is when he comes back after that surgery. But, I mean, if he's throwing 105, he should definitely still be in the hundreds when he comes back from Tommy John, at least. And then Michael Kopech is the same way as well. But he hasn't really made his mark in the big leagues quite yet for the White Sox. But another guy, Fireballer, throws in the hundreds. And I know White Sox fans were really excited to maybe get to see him around, you know, around this time. 
in a normal season because if I'm not mistaken, he had his Tommy John surgery last year around June or July. So his uh, return date would put him at about 12 months right now in a regular season. So in both of their cases, if you're the White Sox, if you're the Cardinals, why are you going to risk these guys that are so crucial to the future of your bullpen? for a 60-game season like this in a weird half-ass kind of spring training setup where they're not going to have the exact amount of time that they're used to to get ready. You know, guys, how long spring training is, like seven weeks for the pitchers sometimes, and now they're cramming it into three and guys coming off of a major surgery. You know, it just might not be the smartest thing for them to play the season. So I'm sure there's some that are upset. Obviously, they're not going to see some of their best arms playing this year. But you got to look long term for those guys. You got to keep them healthy and protect them because you're really going to need them further down the line. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the Nick Marcakis one was the only one that actually opened up a job for somebody. And I want to congratulate Yasiel Puig for finally getting a job in the big leagues. I'm so excited to see him play. I think the Braves made the right move by bringing him in. Uh, the lineup was already stacked. I remember I talked to one of my buddies who's a Braves fan, and he said, you know, I prefer Mark Kakis, and he's probably not wrong. Uh, but, you know, when they brought in Quig, he thinks it was a good addition to the team. I think so far that's been the only case where a guy opted out and a team made a move. So shout-outs to Yasel Quig for getting a job in the MLB. I think we all said he was going to. It was only kind of like a matter of time. But I, I honestly do feel like Mark Kakis opting out Maybe if they were, like, on the fence about it, because I saw, like, the Orioles had offered Quig a job as well. I don't think Quig particularly wanted to play in Baltimore, and I think the Atlanta situation is so much better fit for him as well. And, like I said, man, like, that, that lineup's pretty stacking, depending on where they're playing him. I assume they're going to play him in the outfield. I doubt they would make him a DH, just because I'm pretty sure Quig wants to play every day, and he wants to be out there and contribute. I've always thought he can win you a game more than just with his bat. So, you know, they're going to have that sick-ass arm in the right field defensively. But yeah, I think that's the first one where somebody opted out and the team made a move. You know, they were like, we have to fill that spot. And obviously, I don't know anything about the Brains Farb system. So the fact that they brought him in, I think this says highly about like, maybe they just didn't have a guy that they just wanted to throw in there after Marquecas opted out of the season. Obviously, with the universal DH rule in place, will he be plugged in at right field? We all know the guy can play defense, but are the Braves looking at him just kind of more as a, as a universal DH? I would, I would assume so. Uh, looking at their lineup, uh, between you and I, I personally probably would put Yonder Alonso as DA because Freddie Freeman's going to play first. And, and you know, the, the DA, you, you can really mix it up, man. Like Freddie Freeman needs a day off, then they plug in Alonso at first base and maybe he can DA. You know, I, I think that really opens up. Offensively, it helps them a lot just because, you know, you could always have Freddie Freeman's bat in the lineup. But then, you know, if you want to maybe sit him down a day where he's not going to be out there under the sun, you know, all day. I think they have some options, but I would assume, this is me just assuming, I, I would think they would put Alonzo as, like, maybe the for sure DH. Because the guy can hit. Not, like, a 300 average guy, but he's a good, he's a solid hitter, and why not just throw him out there, you know, as a DH? But, no, I, I really feel like Quig's got speed, got a cannon for an arm, goes all out to catch a ball. Think about it. Like, you know, Alonzo is a, is a solid, he's, like, a for sure first baseman. So the fact that Marquecas, the outfielder, is gone now, for sure, I would assume Quig's going to be out there every day in right field. Speaking of Alonzo being a solid first baseman, have you seen that picture of Pete Alonzo that was going around on the internet this week? <laughs> oh my gosh, Ooh. that dude blew up. Looks like the polar bears coming out of hibernation is gonna have to <laughs> gonna have yeah. to burn some of that weight off, man. Oh my gosh. I didn't think the guy was like naturally that big, but I guess I'm wrong. 
I mean, they put him and Paulo Sandoval side by side, and Paulo Sandoval has always been a big guy, but homeboy looks extra big too. Yeah, it's like, can you imagine? Like looking at that picture, can you imagine Pete Alonso if he gets out of shape when he's like thirty-four? Like, oh right. my god! Again, like, I made a joke with you guys, big boy season, but maybe the you know, the shortened season. I don't want to say they're like kind of like fuck it, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, it does kind of look like they got a quarantine body going on, definitely, man. They, hey, know? man, this is this is the year of the dad bod. You know, yeah, dad, dad bod, dad bod, dad finally bots. in. Bites yeah, are in. This is your time, young kings. Yeah, yeah I, I am thriving in this era. And you know who knows? Like you know, like I like how I think the Braves might put Yonder Alonso at DH. Who knows if maybe Pete Alonso got to camp and they're like, oh, maybe we should make him our DH man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just because uh, obviously Suspedes is the natural fit, but man, yeah, dude, that that guy came in with a bit of a gut, so. Uh, you know, it gives you options. And once again, you know, I'm a fan of the DH. So I think it uh, gives you a lot of options offensively. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. It's not like he has to do too much running. So there's that. True. <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked about how you can't lose a game. And if you do, I think, like, you know, when I look at Nats, Yankees, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter who wins or loses because those teams are very talented. One is the Yankees, one is the reigning World Series champions. But could you guys imagine? if the Giants beat the Dodgers in the first game of the season, right? That's, like, devastating. That's, like, whoa. Like, that's so not supposed to happen. I just wonder how much that's going to play into their mindset. We cannot lose this game. I know, obviously, that's the mindset of everybody. You got to win, you got to win, you got to win. But in 60 games, if the Giants can pull off that, I don't want to say miracle, but, I mean, you look at the lineups and everything else – I mean, the Dodgers cannot lose on opening day. You know, if, like I said, if the Yankees lose, oh, well, it's the reigning champs. And if the Nats lose, it's like, oh, well, it's the Yankees. But the Dodgers would have absolutely no excuse. And I haven't seen the rest of the matchups for opening day, but you could totally say that probably about, you know, all the teams that we think are in it or like, you know, the ones that are supposed to win. Yeah, we've been talking about that for weeks now, how in a season that's shortened like this, you've got to get off to the start that you're supposed to get off to on paper right off the bat. If you're one of these top contending teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, who was even going to be the number one starter for the Giants? Like, who's who's their opening day starter? I have no idea. It's Johnny Cueto. Uh, yeah, Johnny Cueto. No, Johnny Cueto. Okay. Now, now he, keep in mind, so now he is the opening day starter. Now, we all know what he's capable of when he is healthy. That is something that we cannot rule out. So, that being said... Um, I haven't seen any live odds on uh, that matchup, but I got to put my money on the Giants for opening night. I'm sorry. I mean, at the value, I can't imagine that the Dodgers are going to be anything under like a minus 300. Like, I think think they're going to be heavy favorites. And you know why I think that's kind of a safe bet, Ricky? I'm not trying to hate on on Kershaw right now, but I got to say it, man. Like, I don't really feel confident in Kershaw in big games. Would you guys qualify this as a big game? I do because it's like, you know, the beginning of the season, I have to beat this team. I think when Kershaw's put in that position, he kind of crumbles. So it's a big game, but it's also opening day. And Kershaw has been good enough where he's been trusted opening day and usually does execute. You can lose opening day in a 162-game season. And, well, you can brush that off. 
his mindset is like, I have to win this game. And I honestly think that's when the guy fucks up. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're let's, not go wrong. To those, let's go to those odds real quick for, for, for opening day. Do you have yeah. those odds, Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. So the Dodgers are favored at minus 295. Oh, I'm so close. Do you like that, though? You like how accurate that and was? Then, and then was the awesome. Giants, Giants are a huge, uh, not a huge underdog, but an underdog at 245. And, yeah, and, dude, you know, that's where the that's, money's at. That's where the money's to, at. And I wanted to Look. touch on that, too, because like I said, you know, I don't really trust Kershaw in big games. I think we kind of touched on this a couple of podcasts ago when I brought up Padres, where it's like the sheriff, Paddock, make him the opening day starter. It makes him better. It gives him more confidence. That's why I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. When I saw Kershaw for opening day, I was upset because of everything that I just said. But also, look, man, Bueller's the future. Bueller's the guy. He's even, like, projected to win maybe the Cy Young Award this year. And, you know, once again, here's Dave Roberts for Freeman. I don't know who made this fucking decision, but it's like they're so, like, loyal to fucking Kershaw that they, I guess, obviously, they felt like, oh, well, he has to be the opening day starter. Fuck no, man. It should have been Bueller. I wish it was Bueller, and I don't know why. And honestly, I would be more confident coming into this game. I would be more like, yeah, I kind of got this mentality if Bueller was pitching. But the second I saw Kershaw, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was at my desk, and I'm like, well, we're fucked. <laughs> so I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to go ahead and predict the Giants are going to take opening night. Cueto's You're not wrong. Cueto's coming back from, from Tommy John surgery. Uh, what are the Giants at right now again, Jimmy? Plus 245, you said? Uh, they're plus 245, yeah. I'm throwing 50 bucks on that. I'm throwing 50 bucks. Historically, not, I mean, not about it, it, it's a historic rivalry. And historically, the Giants, even when they're bad, have had the Dodgers number. One doesn't beat up more, really, than the other, really, if you look at like, the season numbers and stuff like that. But you're right. The rivalry has a lot to do right. with it. But what Once I'm again, saying is, even when the Giants have been absolute hot garbage, they, they can go out there and beat them. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like, it's, like, it's like, oh, my God, we're playing the Dodgers. It's yeah. World Series mode for them all of a sudden. Once again, man, I think this is more on Kershaw than anything else. And when I saw that, it's like, you know what, guys? Anybody who's listening to this, just like Ricky said, don't be scared throwing 50 on the Giants. No, you might be really you. happy. Yeah, you know which bet I do like? It's the run line. The Giants are plus one and a half to plus 120 bet. So that means the Dodgers would have to win by two runs. So, I mean, I like that bet. I'm not – I feel like it's going to be a really close game. Is this game in San Francisco or in L.A.? It's It's in L.A. L.A. It's in L.A. Now, that makes me want to bring up this other question, guys. So I know how I feel about this. But when it comes to the fact that, obviously, they're going to be playing in front of empty stadiums, how do you guys feel about home field advantage in this season? Do you think home field advantage is still a thing? Because personally, obviously, in the NL West, we know what Coors Field does for a baseball right. game. But other ballparks, more quote-unquote normal ballparks, do you guys feel that these teams are still going to go out there and have different home-and-away splits? Are the home-and-away splits really going to be something we can even look at this season? Or is it all going to mesh together because of the fact that there's no fan? You know what? I feel like batting second or batting last, whatever you want to call it, I think that makes a huge difference. I think that helps the home team, you know, whether there's a crowd or not. I mean, batting second, you know, after the visiting team has batted, it's going to give you some type of help. I agree. I think you're right, Andrew. Like, I've always kind of felt like home field depends on the ballpark, you know, just because, like, I think the Giants play better at home because they, you know, they play better on those dimensions. The wind's flying in. It's a bigger ballpark, you know, maybe – they learn how to, you know, they take BP there. Maybe they know kind of how to angle the bat a little bit better. 
Uh, when it comes to like a team like the Dodgers, absolutely. I think not having a crowd there is really going to affect them because I think they've even said it, they kind of feed off the energy. I think a lot of teams have said that they feed off the energy. Uh, I'm more interested to see how teams perform that, you know, don't really get a lot of attendance, you know, like, well, will that maybe motivate them? Will it kind of be the same for them, you know, kind of bringing up the White Sox, the Marlins, the Reds, you know, I maybe it might I think they're kind of at an advantage. Yeah, yeah I that's been the running joke for like weeks. It's like, oh, well, the Marlins and the Rays don't have to worry about changing anything. <laughs> they're used to it. But I agree with Ricky. I think that kind of puts him at an advantage because it's kind of like something like an ease off your mind kind of thing. You know, it's just like you can just go out there. We can play baseball. We, they're not concerned about putting fans in the seats or anything like that. So I agree with Ricky. I think it kind of gives those teams, uh, the ones with less attendance, a bit of an advantage. I, in this. I season. also think home field advantage is going to be big and not big at the same time, if that makes sense. Because now that the AL and NL West, East, and Central all play each other, they don't have to go to different time zones, and the traveling is going to be a lot less. Other than the first day when Seattle has to travel to Houston or Houston has to travel to L.A., it's not going to make that much of a big difference because with the time zones, I feel like it's going to make a big difference. You don't have to get up early. You don't have to get up later. So it's going to play a big part of it. And then, again, it's not just because, I mean, the time zones. That's my thing right there. Yeah, some of these teams are going to be traveling a lot more than other teams are, like, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the Blue Jays still. I mean, if they're going to play in Toronto or they're going to play in Florida or whatever. Brings me back to the last conversation that we were just having. If the Blue Jays are good, that's another team that absolutely feeds off of the energy of that crowd, especially when the roof is closed. That place is absolutely electric. Like when that Joey Bats home run, like if you go back and watch that clip, just watch different parts of the crowd in the background every time when he hits that home run. You see a different face of somebody absolutely losing their mind. Like, man, that place goes crazy for their Blue Jays when that team is good. So that'll be different not having that noise after, let's say, 45 games, if they're in the hunt, they don't have that behind them. I wonder if they're going to be pumping crowd noise through the PA or if it's just going to be for us, the viewer. Another um, interesting opening day on Friday, and I go back to what I said about, like, you know, the Dodgers have to beat the Giants. Another interesting one on Friday, it's the Marlins versus the Phillies. That's another scenario there where it's like, I think, like, if (laughs) – if the Marlins beat the Phillies game one, that's going to be a big, big deal, man. So it's not just the Dodgers. I look at some of the teams. I, I've called the Reds to do really big this year. They're playing the Tigers. Not a lot of pressure there, you know what I mean? And I think the Reds will absolutely destroy the Tigers. But, you know, I think a lot of these opening day matchups are interesting. And now that I'm looking at a couple of them, you know, the Indians play the Royals. I think a good one is Brewers' Cup. Who knows, right? I, yeah, that I should be this. what? Brandon Woodruff, you Darvish maybe? Right. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, actually, the Cubs announced their starter today. Kyle Hendricks will be starting. Wow. Oh, wow. Not shout you, Darvish. Greg, shout out Greg Maddox. Control not, game. Yeah. Not you, Darvish. Not John Lester, but Kyle Hendricks. Good for him, honestly. Yeah, I, man, I don't know. I think probably the Brewers still have an edge just offensively. I think their, their lineup's a little bit better, but I, that'll be a fun game to watch. We're talking baseball, guys. This is crazy. This man, is awesome. honestly, if there's any action I can get in on, on Christian Yelich hitting a home run on opening day, I'm going to throw some money on that because I can believe that happening without a shred of doubt, man. Dude's got to be ready. We kind of missed out on some prime conversation regarding the opening matchup on opening night. We're talking the Yankees and the defending World Series champions, Nationals. This is something that we couldn't have imagined uh, maybe 15 years ago. 
the Nationals were historically bad. We're looking at the freaking Montreal Expos. You know, they came to D.C. as an expansion. They had some pretty rough years. And then, I don't know, man. This team just, they did it right. They waited it out. They did some good trades. They did some signings that, you know, like, let's look at Max Scherzer. That finally paid off for them. And now we're looking at a powerhouse in D.C. facing off against the Yankees. When they came into the league and they came over from Montreal, they had some nasty teams, and not in a good way, when they were playing at RFK Stadium. Man, can you believe that? It's been that long. But, you know, they had some guys. They always had a couple guys. They had Strasburg, obviously, drafted right out of San Diego State. They had Harper, who's now gone. They had Alfonso Soriano, who is probably their best player for a couple Ian years. Desmond. Ian Desmond. They had Ryan, Ryan Zimmerman, Zimmerman for his whole career. Ryan Mr. Zimmerman. National. Mr. National, exactly. Man, we're on the same wavelength right now, Ricky. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, man, it's been a crazy ride. Like, if somebody – I don't know off the top of my head what the number was. Like, what was the odds on the Nationals before last season to win the World Series? Who would have thought the year that Bryce Harper leaves is the year that they finally put it all together when they don't really go out and replace him? You know, yeah, they, baseball's they just, perfect. Baseball's yeah, perfect. Man, I've it's, always, it, I've it's the best sport. It's man, You I, just I, literally I, never know any given day, man. Any day. You never know. Yeah. I've told this to you guys, like, how I felt about that. You know, as a Dodger fan, I wasn't even mad when the Nationals won. Just because, you know, I think this game works, man. Like like you said, Andrew, what were the odds that the year Harper walks, the Nationals win the World Series? I've always felt like baseball's just so good about stories like that and grinded it out. They brought in the right guys. I've always felt like when their rotation was off in 2019, I said it to my family members. I was like, yeah, I think the Nats are going to take it, man, especially when they made it to the playoffs. As soon as they made it to the playoffs, I was like, I think these guys got it. And their pitching really was sort of like, you know, electric Juan Soto and, you know, Howie Kendrick bringing so much to the table as well. Their pitching really is what won them that World Series. Well, yeah, their biggest signing was Patrick Corbin in the offseason. Right. And, and the guy was absolutely electric in the postseason. He was. He was actually great. And, you know, that opening day matchup, that's going to be good, man. Garrett Cole, right, versus Max Scherzer. Like, that. that's going to be fun to watch. They're going to have day. Paxton against Strasburg. God. If I'm not mistaken, though, is there a chance that the Nationals won't be able to play at home for opening night? I heard that. That, that, that is correct. So uh, there was a report that came out today is that the Nationals are exploring other options just due to certain protocols within D.C. that they're <laughs> not willing to make exceptions for professional sports teams. So there's a chance they might have to play in Florida or some neutral site. Just when we thought we were kind of out of the woods with the Blue Jays, there was, there was going back to that earlier, there was some uncertainty there of, as to whether the Blue Jays could play at home. Now the Nationals might not be able to play in Nationals Park. Also be uh, them going to New York, or is that out of the question? I don't think that's an option. The, the option that I'm seeing that's the most likely for them is they're going to go to their single-A stadium in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is not too far away from D.C. as it is. Okay. So, like, cut down their travel and then obviously still make any other team travel to basically the same place. Yeah, I knew it was a long shot just because, I mean, with the whole scheduling. But uh, Does anybody have an update by chance on Masahiro Tanaka? If anybody listening hadn't seen that over the past week, Masahiro uh, Tanaka took a BP line drive off of the bat of probably the last person on earth you'd want to take <laughs> one from Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo, of course, man, you watch that video, you feel so bad for him because – yeah. We all know that Giancarlo Stanton knows exactly how that feels. And he just bends over, keels over right in front of the plate, grabbing his head. Just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. 
So, uh, yeah, does anybody yeah. know? After that, he had a mild concussion. Other than that, I, I think he's kind of good to go. It wasn't like yeah. a serious – it looked, it looked worse than it really was, to be honest, from what I saw. I, I don't know. Like, this is me kind of shooting the shit with you guys, but uh, any Yankee fan listening to this, it's like, do you guys still want John Carlo on that team? Like, if he ain't getting hurt, he's hurting other players. I mean, that's just, Yeah, literally. The Marlins yeah. fleeced you to this point. Oh, big time, dude. And I love that guy. You know, I think we all know what he's capable of and his talent, but it has really seemed like a kind of, uh, like, like an anti-Rabbit's foot kind of situation, right? Like, him being a Yankee really hasn't panned out that well for the team or for himself. We talked about a couple podcasts ago how in Florida, he wasn't really injury prone, man. He really didn't hurt himself or get hurt. He kind of went out there and played full seasons. But, you know, ever since he's been a Yankee, it's been a little bit of like him getting hurt weird, him not playing, him not living up to the contract. I'll never forget when I saw him drill Tanaka. I was like, man, dude, like he's hurt the organization more than he's helped the organization at this point. I wonder how and many that team fans... can't catch a fucking break, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That, that is just the injury capital of the league right now. Yeah. Like, uh, if we set an over under on how many players would be out of the lineup after two weeks, if we put that at 2.5 players on the injured list, what would you guys take over under over? Over, over all day. Definitely. But, you know, k- kudos to them. They, they bring in guys from their system that really keep that team afloat. I, yeah, so totally. Yeah, but I, it's I, like they can't expect to pull lightning out of a bottle with Gio Urshela and guys like that because, like, right. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not convinced that Gio Urshela is that good of a baseball player. I think he, like I said, found lightning in a bottle. They maximize their potential out of him exactly when they needed it from him. He could still be productive for them off the bench, but – if somebody gets hurt again, like Anduar or Torres, and they expect to plug him in and get the same kind of production that they got last time, I think they're going to be sorely mistaken. Speaking about Tanaka, that you brought him up, he threw his first bullpen session today. Only threw 30 pitches, but, I mean, it's positive for the Yankees. So Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's obviously going to be in the rotation. It was just a scare more than it was, like, something really bad that happened. But – once again, if any Yankee fans listening, I'm curious to know how many of you guys. I just don't think a lot of people would be sad if he was traded. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, let's just kind of get him out of here, you know, because I know what the Yankees wanted when they got John Carlos, kind of classic Yankees. They just want big mashers out there, you know, big bats to go up there and just fucking kill the ball. But, uh, yeah, ever since he's been there, I don't really think it's, it's really helped the team out. Well, we all saw what happened the first couple weeks he was there, getting booed in his own city. Right, yeah. And it it never really made sense to me why they had a guy that they drafted in Aaron Judge, who is basically the same exact player, Mm -hmm. and then they go and get a guy to play in the opposite side of the outfield that literally does the same thing for you. Like, I get it. You can't have enough mashers, but it's not like the team didn't have the talent in the farm system at the time that they acquired Stanton. They had talent coming up, and I just feel like they could have gone in different ways with that. I felt like the Yankees just had to be the Yankees at that moment and make that big splash, and they felt like that's what they had to do, and so they did it. If they could do it over, I don't know if they'd make that deal. I think it goes back to, you know, the classic Yankee. The classic Yankees were known for signing, you know, big guys like Roger Clemens, Jason Giambi. I mean, I could go on all freaking day about it. There was that era back to the early 2010s where the Yankees weren't really doing much. There weren't, you know, there weren't really – their most exciting guy was Chase Headley. Yeah, and they were, like, quote-unquote, stuck with Jeter and stuck with Rivera. Like, exactly. Like, you know, yes. like, the guys that 
they weren't going to have leave the Yankees. So, the, and, and so, no ben, so this was like the move that said the Yankees are back. Yeah, no, and no offense. Like, the Yankees haven't done much in a really long time, you know? No, it's they have It's been 11 you know, I know, years. I know the Dodgers get criticized for that left and right, but, you know, like, the Dodgers haven't had that kind of money the Yankees have had to bring in anybody they want. And then they built a new ballpark with, like, the shortest right field I've ever seen in my entire life that was kind of built for lefties to just fucking hit home runs all the time. But uh, I think yeah. that was more, I've always called it kind of like the ghost of Steinbrenner, you know, like, what would dad do? What would he do? And you know what he would do? He would get Giancarlo Stanton. So that's exactly why. Oh, they yeah, did. he would have got, he would have got Garrett Cole, too. And I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I'm not alone in thinking that as soon as the World Series was over last season, we knew where Garrett Cole was going, guys. Yeah, I agree. You know, I remember it was interesting when Andrew Freeman admitted that they didn't even pitch to him. Because they kind of knew this guy wants to be a Yankee. You know, it, it is what it is. Like, there's no point in bidding against yourself. And, you know, I agree with that. I feel like the, the Dodgers had enough young arms. And, and between you and I, like, I'm glad they didn't spend that money. I cross my fingers every day that we get Nolan Arenado in free agency. And that's probably going to be what happens when uh, the 2020 season's up. Because I think, I really honestly think Arenado's going to opt out. I really feel in my bones that he'll be a Dodger just because Justin Turner is a free agent after that. And between you and I, this is just my prediction. I could t totally be wrong. Uh, I, I feel like if we have a DH, they'll bring uh, Turner back for a year, and that's exactly what he'll be. He'll be the DH, and then Arenado will slide in the third. So that's what I'm hoping for, and who knows? We'll see what happens. So, Jimmy, do you have odds on that opening night matchup, Nats versus Yankees? So opening night for the Yankees and the Nationals, the Yankees are favored at minus 135, and the Nationals are underdogs at plus 115. Woof, that is close. The run line, the run line is one and a half. Yeah. So, so the Yankees are minus one and a half at plus 130. The Nationals are plus one and a half at minus 150. For those that are unfamiliar with sports betting, so if the Yankees' run line is minus one and a half at plus 130, in order for you to win that bet, the Yankees must win by two. Correct. They, they can do runs. that. The they Yankees, do. The I Yankees like that must bet. win by two. Not one, but two. Like, well, they like, must well, win by I'll, two I'll, at – what you said it was plus 130? At plus 130, yeah. Plus 130. So a $50 bet is going to net you – 65. 60, yeah, like 65. 65. I'll ask you guys right now, like, who do you guys think got to that game, game one? Game Honestly, game I mean, betting-wise, I think I'm just going to sit on the couch and <laughs> enjoy it and not put money on that one. I mean, it's just so close that, I mean, either one of those isn't really going to make me too much money. Right. Uh, it, the bet that I would take out of all of them was the one that you guys said, the Yankees run line. But even then, personally, I'm just going to sit that one out. I'll bet all <laughs> me, day on Friday. <laughs> let me intrigue What's you really quick. Let me intrigue you. The over-unders are seven and a half. Oh, over, under, under, the under. The over is minus 105. Damn. And the under is minus 115. I like 115. I like and, that. And look at this, you guys. Yeah. Jack is joining us. Mid pod, look at that. Hey Zach, how are you? What's going on, homies? What are you <laughs> drinking, dude? What are you drinking? Uh, uh, nothing yet, but uh, <laughs> beer in the near future. Are you live from Carl Strauss right now? I'm live from Carl Strauss Green. Nice. Ooh, yeah. shout yeah. out. Love it. All Love right. So shout out to one of our regulars, Zach, who was able to join us from his work, Carl Strauss Brewery. So thank you for being on. You're gonna ask Zach what we've been talking about because I'm curious to get his input. All right, Zach, we were kind of talking about 
and I want your opinion on this. Uh, I think the most intriguing opening day is going to be the Dodgers versus the Giants because it's a must win. It's a must win, dude. And I felt they picked the wrong starter in Kershaw because I think he blows big games. And now this is kind of like, it's on him, dude. I wanted Walker Bueller. I wanted the young guy. I wanted the guy that I think is the future, the franchise, and the, the person we should be focusing on. But what do you think about Kershaw pitching a big game, a must-win game one in, in the opening day series? Oh, man. Um, I know we've had this conversation probably like 10 times. Uh, <laughs> I think you got to, you know, start your stud in the big moment. You know, Kershaw's been there and done it before. You know, I totally get it. I think Walker Bueller's uh, time to take the reign is coming very soon. But um, I still like Kershaw game one. It's the Giants, dude. If he can't pull yeah. off that one, like, <laughs> could have no problem, you know, taking Yeah, that's exactly what you're saying, dude. No yeah. bust Posey, like – there's just not a whole lot going on there for them. So I think it should be an easy start to the season for them. They're playing four games against the Giants, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So I'm guessing you're getting Bueller Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. All day. Yeah. Wow. Boom. Ah, dude, they're going to win. They're going to win all four of those games pretty easy. And it's going to start off with a big Kershaw dub. So you have no faith in Cueto. Brandon Belt might not be starting either. Like, I don't have faith that the Giants are going to be able to put anything together offensively. Like – Offenses are going to be behind to start the season. And I think the Giants, you know, they're already kind of rough as is. So, Are we bidding unders throughout opening day? or? Yeah, dude, the consensus is, like, the hitters, <laughs> hitters are going to be behind, you know. Like, pitchers are going to have the upper hand because their routine hasn't changed as much as hitters have. I think it's easy to smash the under on the uh, Nats Yankees. I mean, you got two aces on the hill. Like, that's an easy bet right there. Um, yeah, Zach, that, that under is seven and a half minus 115. I think that's easy money right there. I don't know who's going to win it, but <laughs> I think the final score is going to be 3 2. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, right on the money there, Rick. Yeah. Cole, Cole and Scherzer, man, that, that might not be a high scoring game for either. Oh, team. hell no. Yeah. I think the interesting one, Zach, for me on Friday night is uh, Marlins-Phillies, man. Like, that's another must-win. The Phillies can't lose to the Marlins, right? They can't do it. I think and that's that'll another... probably be, what, Caleb Smith and Aaron Nola? Yeah, I would say so, you know. But that's another one to me. Uh, I-, I was looking at those matchups, like the must-wins for teams, and that's the one really that stuck out for me, too, Marlins-Phillies. We've said throughout the cast, you know, every game is a must-win in a 60-game season. But there's another one that stuck out for me, dude. Like, how the Phillies with that payroll and the guys that they brought in, and, you know, Bryce Harper being on the team, if they lose to the Marlins, that's a huge, huge deal. You know, I, I think so, like, especially as far as the first couple games starting. So that's another one that stuck out for me. So here's another matchup that really sticks out to me. This is going to be a fun one. The Rangers and the Rockies. The Rangers are going to host the Rockies in Globe Life Field, Rangers' new ballpark. I'm already saying that's going to be a high-scoring game. Can we start the nickname for the Texas Rangers Stadium? I, I'm calling it the Grill, man. <laughs> it's that Tough Shed Stadium for me, bro. Tough Shed Stadium. I'm, I, I don't know who's going to win that matchup. Lance Lynn is starting for the Rangers. That guy's still got it, man. And then what, Herman Marquez? Actually, I'm looking at the schedule. It still says TBD for the Rockies. Of course it does. Yeah. Probably because they're like, fuck, we don't want to start John Gray. No. <laughs> yeah, man, unfortunately, they don't have those odds yet. Hey, put five names in a hat and pull one out, dude. And that's gonna but you're gonna have hard. you're gonna have you're gonna have Joey Gallo. You're gonna have Nolan Arenado, 
David Dahl, Trevor Story, big names that can easily mash up and hit bombs in a brand new stadium that's going to be a hitter's park. We don't know yet, but the Rangers traditionally have played in a hitter's park. I could see 11 runs being scored in that game right there alone. Yeah, I haven't seen the dimensions of the Rangers' new ballpark, actually. Is it even? Do they have a short porch in any side? I, I've, I haven't even seen it. Have you guys? I've played it in the show. Really? But, yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, I've mean, oh. done it. Ralphie, go, go fucking play a home run derby in that stadium. Go see. Okay. Oh, interesting. Ralphie. Hell yeah. So what you're it. saying is put the rent on the over that game. Yeah, yeah, I'd take the over, especially <laughs> with those two offenses, too, man. Like. Oh my I don't god! Know if, dude. I don't know if Charlie Blackman's going to be playing even then. Like, yeah, I'll take the overs because he's still got Trevor Story, man. Trevor Story. I feel like a lot of people don't talk as much about Trevor Story as much as we used to talk about Troy Tulowitzki. But obviously, back then, Tulo was the guy, and now Arenado is the guy. I love that dude. I like since his breakout year, and I know the thumb injury kind of you know held him back for a little bit. But his potential, man, his ceiling is high. He's one of my favorite players on the Rockies, and I think we've talked about this too. It's like, that's why I kind of hated the Blackman deal, the Desmond deal, the Arenado deal. It's like, you know, you guys were supposed to lock him down. How are you going to do that? And that yeah, they, the need, they need to sign David Dahl too, man. Yes, there's another one. And, you know, that's where I think that's what, another reason it makes more sense for Arenado for the Rockies too, is let him walk, let him opt out in this 2020 season and throw all that money at Story. So uh, that's another reason I think for sure, Arenado's out of there in 2020, after 2020. And it just makes more sense, I think, for both. For the organization, for the player, and for the player and Trevor Story. Because I think if uh, Arenado dips and they offer Story that money, he'll take it. You know, especially in the world we're living in where there's a lot of uncertainty. If a team, you know, wants you to be like the next Tulo as well. Like, kind of cool that he's a shortstop as well. I think he'll absolutely take that money. And I hope they give it to him. For those listening, here are your starting matchups. For every game on Friday, July 24th. So we obviously went over Thursday night. So we have Kershaw versus Cueto for the Dodgers and Giants. For the Nationals and the Yankees, we have Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. Let's go ahead and move into Friday. D-backs and Padres, both pitchers are still TBD. Braves and Mets, you're going to have Mike Soroka starting for Atlanta. New York Mets are still TBD. For the Detroit Tigers versus Cincinnati Reds, Matthew Boyd versus Sonny Gray. Blue Jays Rays, pitchers are still to be determined. Marlins and Phillies. Sandy Alcantara has been given the nod for Miami. Philadelphia, still TBD. For the Brewers, still TBD. Now, however, for Chicago, uh, we talked about Kyle Hendricks. He will be getting the opening day nod. Kansas City Royals versus Cleveland Indians. We have Danny Duffy starting for Kansas City. Cleveland, still TBD. Orioles versus Red Sox. Starting for Baltimore. We are going to have John Means, Boston's pitcher, still TBD. Rockies Rangers, Lance Lynn will get the start. Colorado, still TBD. Twins White Sox, still TBD. Pirates Cardinals, Jack Flaherty, Pirates starter is still to be determined. Houston versus Seattle. We have Justin Verlander starting for Seattle. We are going to have Marco Gonzalez. Last but not least, Angels versus Athletics. Oakland starter has still to be determined. We're going to have Andrew Heaney starting for the Angels. So those are your opening day starters. Sorry, Andrew Heaney, but I really want Shohei on opening day. Sorry. <laughs> I think the one that stuck out to me there was the Mets. Like, DeGrom, not really. Like, that hasn't been determined. Yeah, maybe their like, PR guy just forgot that they needed to announce that. 
and right. it's sitting in their Instagram drafts because, also, like, what are you going to do? Wait, you going to get that? The Grum doc got hurt, didn't he? Didn't. Did he? Yeah, I was going to mention that he got. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt. With them, he had like an MRI. Or He's okay. Just to be oh, fine. But yeah, he got, he got hurt. The other one that stuck out too was the Phillies. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. He fucking just gave fucking Zach Wheeler all that goddamn money. Well, it's, like, well, it's either it's either do I want to start Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler? Right, right. I think yeah. the I think the do is I mean, do they still expect some of these players to be like, nah, I'm not gonna play after all? Right. You, you know, and I think we touched on that a couple pods ago. Like, I think a lot of people are gonna be winning jobs in summer camp. Right. I, th- I still think they need to kind of see I've said uh, pitchers are creatures of habit. And I think those are the ones that have been most affected by like not being able to be on the mound. But how many days do they have now? Like what, like seven fucking days to like make. Bro, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to get exhibition games starting on Monday. Yeah, I saw that. Oof, man. <laughs> yeah, the opening day or opening night will be over by this time next week. So we have some inner squad games that have already been televised. Uh, the Dodgers have been on Sportsnet LA. Padres are have been on MLB TV. I was just gonna jump in real quick and say, like, one of the most interesting matchups to me so far that I heard. One of the only matchups where you have two guaranteed starters: Reds, Tigers, Matthew Boyd and Sonny Gray. I think that's a very interesting matchup. Matt Boyd got out to a really fast start last year. He was just blowing guys away. I think he had something like 140 strikeouts going into the All-Star break and obviously kind of sputtered out at the end there. But that's an interesting matchup to watch. Even though I love the Reds, I'm thinking under on that one. Really? Really? Yeah, a lot of strikeouts think, in that game, bro. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think it's taking Sonny Gray. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually surprised they gave him the opening day nod. I feel like he was a little bit, you know, kind of shaky in Cincinnati. Don't get me wrong. I really feel like he was going to come into this season with more confidence. And I think Sonny Gray is a good pitcher with a high ceiling with a lot of potential. So I'm excited to watch him pitch. But I, I was kind of intrigued when I saw that they gave him the opening day nod. I think that's one of the ones, Zach, when we were talking about, if the Tigers beat the Reds, mm, you know, maybe not so much. But even though I have so much expectations of the Reds, do you guys think that's one where it's like a, well, they're all must-wins, but my point is, like, you think that's one that would shake a team up if losing to the Tigers, like the Reds? Of course. Of course. Yeah. As a team, you should be, but I'm just telling you, Matthew Boyd is a really good pitcher, right. and there's a lot of bats in the Reds yeah. lineup that like to – for the fences, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there could be a lot of strikeouts in that game. That's all I'm saying. So, you're, say- so you're saying Matthew Boyd's for sure <laughs> going to get traded, and he's going to be on another team <laughs> at the end of the year, right? <laughs> I think the red. I think the Reds have no excuse, man. You went on and picked up Castellanos, and Mike Mustakas, plus yeah. you got Joey Votto. Right, right. Yeah, they're right. I think that's another like must win right there. You like, can't keep up with Detroit. How are here's you keep up with the uh, here's one of the cool thing about the sixty game season. And I'll wrap this up kind of quick. I, I think in, for opening day, we all kind of more paid attention to our own teams. We just hope our teams wins. But now. As a baseball fan, dude, we're going to be paying attention to every fucking game on, on the first day because they're all going to be so interesting to watch. I've heard so much more negatives about the 60 games from, like, friends and people around me and, oh, this is stupid. And But for me, man, I've, I've been saying it. This might be some of the most exciting baseball and look, look at just like the opening day, how I'm talking about, like, we're going to want to know the result of every single one. I know I do anyway, you know. So I think we're going to all be watching baseball as a whole a little bit more closely this year. This is something I always said every single season. And I'm going to go and wrap this up. In a 162-game season, I say this is a marathon, not a race. So 
you can come out of the gate sprinting hard, right? You're going to start 12 and 3. But come August, that might not even matter because all of a sudden you find yourself three games under 500. Now, though, this is no longer a marathon. This is a sprint. You want to come firing out of the gates? 15 and 3 in a 60 game season? Start packing your bats in the playoffs. So to see like what's going to happen this season, it's going to be fun. Regardless of what the haters say of, oh, well, it's a 60-game season. No, this is going to be fun. Go ahead, Asus. And just like you said, this is more of a sprint than a marathon. And just to put it in perspective, if your team loses 15 games in a 162-game season, that's whatever. This season, that's 25% of the season that your team just lost and could potentially be out of the playoffs. It's nuts that 15 games could make or break your team. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Jesus, man, we're going to see some teams like the freaking Marlins. I'm still riding with the Blue Jays and the Rockies. I think those teams are going to come out hot and start off maybe 10 and 2, maybe, you know, 9 and 4. That's going to automatically push them into a playoff race. So that being said, you guys, we're running out of time. We're about to jump on our live. Let's go ahead and wrap this up with our final thoughts, you guys. I'm just excited that baseball's back, guys. And, you know, I just hope that these players stay healthy. You know, I hope that their families at home stay healthy. And I applaud them for just going back, trying to be normal again. And I, as a fan, I really am very appreciative for that, man. More power to them. Yeah, like I was, I like to uh, second what Jimmy just said. And I'm just happy that baseball is actually back. We get to see light sports, not in the stadiums, but on TV. And on the radio, listen to it. Finally. Yay. Go baseball. All right, my final thought is uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody listening, everybody who's enjoyed Los Chingones Baseball Podcast. Guys, I, I just want to say this. I know we all knew how hard it was to talk about baseball when it wasn't baseball, so thank you for everybody who listened to us. And, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, man, it's finally happening, guys. Uh, everybody listening who enjoys what we do, you know, we're going to get baseball next week, so our next podcast is going to be so much more funner, and it's going to be everything that we've wanted. We wanted to Talk baseball, you know, wrapping up of games, maybe crazy plays that happen, upsets. And uh, I think that's exactly what you're going to get next week. So shout outs to everybody who listened to the podcast through the pandemic. And I hope we gave you guys some fun content. But uh, baseball will be back next week. So love everybody for listening. And I love all you guys. Well, going off of what Ralphie said a little bit, you know, it's been a long time coming. We started this right at the beginning of quarantine. All this quarantine stuff has lasted longer than we all expected it to at the beginning. Personally, for me, I thought two months right at the beginning in the middle of March when we all started to shut down. And now, you know, here we are, middle of July. We're finally about to get baseball back a lot later than we probably all expected. But so thankful that we are getting it back in any capacity. So excited to watch the baseball, man. It's been so fun over the past couple of days watching the live streams of inter-squad games for different teams watching the Padres play their inter-squad games. It was so nice to see being called gold team and brown team instead of being blue team and white team. Oh, man, I can't wait to see those jerseys hit the field for the first time, and I'll get to see that a week from now, just like all the rest of us will be able to see our teams hit the field for the first time. So cheers until next week. Hell to the motherfucking yeah. Hopefully next time I'll be a part of this podcast group for the duration of an entire podcast. I missed the past few, but – this time next week, we'll be talking about real baseball. It's crazy. Cheers, everyone. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Finally, one, one more week, and we get baseball back. And uh, I, I don't mean to brag, but thankfully, my company will be able to support the Padres into staffing medical. So 
I will be one of the few lucky people that will be able to watch baseball live this season, which I feel very fortunate about. I'm going to try to get some uh, video and some photos just sneaked in there to share with you guys. So, yeah, can't wait for the next podcast. Can't wait for baseball. Cheers to everyone listening, and have a good night. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. It's been a fun one. This is uh, most likely our penultimate podcast prior to opening day. Uh, we have seven days until opening night. Let's go and get this show on the road. I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, we have a live on uh, Twitch. So if you guys have not subscribed yet, we are now live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Los Chingones Baseball. Thank you all for joining us all tonight. We wish you all safety, happiness, and health. We're not sure if we're going to record prior to opening night. If not, we're going to have baseball prior to next recording. Thank you so much. You guys have a great night. Everybody be safe. Love you all. Thank you so much. Baseball's back, baby. Baseball is back.